Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Active Growth Podcast. This is the third episode in our series on irresistible offers. In this series and in the content before it, you can think of it as a process of zooming in. We started talking about how to create your own product and why you should. Then we talked about how to turn that product. So if you have a product idea or a skill or a set of skills, how you can spin that out into many different potential offers that might be appealing to different market segments. And so in the last episode, we talked about how to do this and how to test which one of these offers is potentially the most lucrative and how to decide which one to pursue. So with that, we've actually already taken a step that I think a lot of entrepreneurs never actually think about, right? They think I have this one skill, that means I have one thing I can offer. But really, we can zoom in here and say, you have many potential offers and you should think about that and you should find which one is the potentially best one. Now we're zooming in further. So once you've decided on one or a few of these potential offers, now we're talking about how you present that offer. Specifically, copywriting, right? The words you use to convince people that they should pay attention to what you have to offer. In this episode, we cover some of the psychology of why copywriting is so important and how it affects the irresistibility factor of your offer. And we give you our best copywriting tips and methods. How do you arrive at those words, at the right words that make people stop in their tracks and make people want to sign up for and buy the thing you're offering? I think you'll find that our copywriting advice here is quite unusual, but in a good way. This is not your generic copywriting advice. So stay tuned for the tricks we use and also some of the shortcuts we use to arrive at really good, really compelling copy. And with that, that's really the last puzzle piece, the last thing you need to take your product idea, spin it out into a great offer or multiple great offers, and then present it in a way that makes it truly irresistible. Before we get into that, I've got one new announcement and two other quick things to cover. So the new announcement is we will be taking questions on Twitter. This is an experiment, but you can tweet us at ActiGrow. So on Twitter, Active Growth is taken. So on Twitter, it's at ActiGrow, A-C-T-I-G-R-O-W, at ActiGrow. You can tweet us your questions and we will go through them. And if we get enough questions, if we get interesting questions, we will answer them on the podcast. And if not, then we'll just answer them on Twitter. But I want to see if we can do a segment where you, where we maybe just answer a few quick questions uh, before an episode or after an episode. And I think that could be useful. And also, like we said in the very beginning, we want to encourage interaction here. We want this to be two-way communication. And I'm thinking this could be a good way to do that. So tweet us your question at ActiGrow on Twitter. The second thing is we've gotten more great feedback. We've gotten comments and reviews and some great voice messages. And I want to play you one of those voice messages that Daniel sent in. Thank you so much for this great podcast. I always enjoy each new episode. I find that it really seems to build on itself, unlike many podcasts I listen to where it just feels like tip of the day, I guess, of the day. That's fantastic. And this is the kind of advice that's really helpful where I am, where I've already launched two courses and some one-on-one coaching and going through like tips for beginners and the tip of the day approach is just really not helpful. 
I just wanted to check in and say, Shane, I told you that my first course, I launched it for $5,000. I launched my second one. It was a smaller course, but cheaper a price. And it didn't make quite so much money. It made a little over $2,000, which is still fantastic. So that was course number two. And based on this podcast advice, I have begun offering coaching. And so now I now have three coaching students. They pay me $50 an hour. But we speak every two weeks because I, I wonder if my market wouldn't be able to absorb uh, the cost of doing it every week. So it's every two weeks and I've got three people signed up and the fourth doing some one-off things. So let's see how it goes. It's really fantastic. I'm really enjoying following the blog and the podcast and I'm figuring out Thrive Themes too and adding it to my site bit by bit. Thank you so much. So thank you very much, Daniel, for this message and this kind of thing. We, we love to hear that people are taking action on this and we love to hear that the way we structure our content is really making a difference. Really, it's the most gratifying thing. You've probably noticed if you've been listening, we don't have any sponsors. We basically don't make any money with this podcast. And this is why we do it. You know, it's so gratifying to hear that you that you're listening to this podcast and you're learning something new and you're putting it into action. And we've gotten several messages from people saying, oh yeah, now you know I've got my first client, I've, I've gotten this result, I've gotten that result. And like Daniel was saying, he's doing this before he started listening to our podcast, but you know, knowing that there are people out there taking action, selling stuff, creating products, and, and that our podcast is helpful is just super motivating. So thank you very much for that. And I also wanted to play you this message, you know, in case you've been listening, but you haven't taken action, I want to share stories like this with you to show you, yes, this really works. And once you get going, sometimes it seems like, why didn't I do this before? You know, why didn't, it's actually not that difficult. Or yeah, once you get going, you're, you think I should have been doing this a long time ago. So if you haven't taken action yet, now's the time to start. And then my final quick note before we get into the episode is you can get the show notes for everything we talk about on this episode by going to activegrowth.com forward slash 17. And if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to give us feedback or leave a voice message just like Daniel did, that is also on that page in the show notes. So activegrowth.com forward slash 17 takes you there. I'm Shane Malach. And I am Hannah Verwerk. And if you followed the podcast series up until this point, then at this point, you already have a product and you already have one or several ways to frame that product to turn that into potentially irresistible offers. And so now we're going to talk about one of the most important elements in how you present your offer, which is the language you use, the copy you use. So whether that is written text on a landing page or sales page, or what you say in a video or on a podcast, to try and convince people that they should check out your offer. The, the words you use are the most powerful tool there. That is something that also, you know, on the Thrive Themes side, we we often encounter this. There's, there's basically an overemphasis on design, right? Everybody wants their stuff to look pretty, but unless the words you have on your pretty looking page are the right kinds of words that get the message across and, and you know, kind of reach something inside your prospects, hearts and minds, then it doesn't matter how pretty your page is. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. We're going to get into the more practical details of how to get to that hell yes message that we talked about in the last episode. So before we go into the individual tips, a framework to think about this is that you always have to convince people to pay the price. 
matter what you do online, you always have to win people over and get them to pay the price. Because even if you're not selling anything yet, even if it's just, let's say, a blog post with some content, you have to convince people to pay the price of spending time reading and, and basically paying attention, which interestingly, we do say paying attention, right? It is a cost. And if you don't have an interesting headline, if you don't have a good hook in your opening paragraph, then a lot of people will decide not to pay that price and go spend their attention elsewhere. So that is where copy comes in. That is where the language you use comes in. And of course, the higher the asking price, the better your presentation of your offer has to be. So it's one thing to convince someone to spend a few minutes to pay attention to your content. And it's another thing to convince someone to spend tens or hundreds or thousands of dollars with you and your business. Now, one of the important notions about this is that you don't only have to convince people to pay the price, but you have to make sure that you show the value for that asking price. So it's very important that you, you have to convince your audience basically that what you are deliver is, is going to give them more value than what they are giving you. So that it's adding more than what you are asking from them. Because often what people are defaulting to when they don't manage to sell their offer is, oh, it's probably the price. I should lower the price. Mm. But like you were saying, it's not like when we think about paying the price for reading a blog post or paying the price for signing up to a newsletter, for example, it's not dollar value. So it's it's not even you cannot say like, oh, I'm going to lower the price for signing up to my opt-in offer. That's just not the solution here. But the solution is to up the value and to make it more clear what you are offering. And, and that's exactly what we're going to try to do here to in, in this episode, we're going to give you the keys to make sure that you communicate that value properly and that you can convince people that the price that you are asking for is basically a bargain. Exactly. And it has to be a bargain. I think one thing you can also that I recommend you start paying attention to is your own behavior with this. And I say that it has to be a bargain because I think we generally look for something that isn't just kind of an equal value. You know, I give you $10 for a thing and I get like an equivalent of $10 of value back. We're looking for something that's more like I give you $10 and I get an equivalent of $100 back, right? We're looking for that kind of thing. And so that's why it's really important to, to have a really strong message that conveys the value, which is another important point, right? Like you mentioned, even if your offer is really valuable, you have to present it in such a way that your visitor understands this. And that's not easy to do and it's not obvious. No. <laughs> so we have to be able to get this across and we have to be able to really get across like, this is a bargain, right? This is, there's a huge difference in the value of what I'm asking versus what I'm giving. And this also has to do with just the abundance, right? There's so much choice that there's so many products and services, and everything is at our fingertips on the internet that I think that's one of the reasons why we look for a bargain, right? It's like you always have a choice. You always have an alternative. And that's why we have to be good at communicating value like this. So like I said, one of the things you can do is you can pay attention to your own behavior try to catch yourself like exiting things, right? When you are browsing a website and then at some point you decide, nah, and you leave, right? If you, if you stop reading an article halfway through or maybe you click through to an article, you start reading and then you abandon it right away. 
you stop watching a video or maybe you're somewhere in the checkout process, right? You saw a product, you got interested, you started reading the description, maybe started reading reviews. At some point you decide no. Like try to catch yourself when that happens and ask yourself, why did I do that? Because right there, that is a moment where you and your own behavior, you reached a point where you decided, I'm not getting the value I'm looking for, right? This is not enough of a bargain or this is not the right thing for me. And becoming more aware of, of how you behave in this and just even just becoming aware of how often this happens. Because I think for most of us, this happens probably like a dozen times a day. And becoming more aware of that, I think, can also make you more realistic about your own offers, right? Because we tend to be too optimistic, basically, about our own offers. Right? <laughs> it's like uh, my, my product and my offer is like my baby, right? And I can't imagine that someone doesn't see how great this is. But if I pay attention to how many things even carefully crafted things that someone's put in a lot of time and effort and love that I just abandon on a whim, right? Yeah. It makes me much more um, kind of careful and it makes me much more aware that people aren't just going to understand the value of what I offer right away and they're not going to be very patient, right? If I look at how easily I abandon something, I then know that I can't expect people to be patient with my offers either. They don't have any emotional attachment with your offer, right? So it's true, like you're saying, for you, it's your baby. But for them, it's just another page on a website. They probably don't know you very well. They don't know the company. They have no, like, they are not interested whether you're succeeding or not. They are not interested whether you are making a living out of this mm -hmm. or not. Like, that's not their preoccupation, right? And... One thing that I think is very interesting, again, I want to come back to this lowering the price and thinking that the absolute price is, is the problem, because it's not. Think about coffee. Think about how much you pay for a coffee. At this point, if you're very honest with yourself, there is no absolute price that you pay for a coffee. The price that you pay for that coffee is very dependent of the value that you get out of that coffee at that very specific time. So paying coffee at Starbucks, <laughs> four times as expensive or more than making a coffee at home. <laughs> still the same coffee, still the same product. And the reason why you are okay with paying more at Starbucks is because the environment, is maybe because you're outside, it's maybe because it's a social endeavor with somebody, it's maybe, it has nothing to do with the absolute price of the coffee. And another good example of this is actually a driver's license. So I don't know how this works in other countries, but in Belgium, we have the opportunity of having a driver's license for as little as 150 bucks, mm -hmm. um, but it takes over nine months. So you have to first do your theoretical exam and then you learn how to drive a car with your parents. Mm -hmm. And so it takes nine months. You cannot do it quicker than that. So now imagine that you have a job, but in order to get that job, you need your driver's license. So at that point, you can pay up to a thousand times more. Really? Really. To get your driver's license in one month. Wow. So again, it's not the absolute price of the driver's license. It's the value that you get out of that. And if that value is getting your job, you are ready to pay like yeah, ridiculously more yeah. for that same driver's license than when you were 17 and was just like, oh, let's do that right now. I have time. I'm still like in university. Mm -hmm. and, and 
I think that's something that people often forget and that it's way easier to be like, oh, it's the absolute price of my product that's not correct. Whereas the real reason is that people don't find it valuable enough at that point in their life, in their journey, in their problem awareness, in whatever. And that's what we're talking about. It's your job to make them understand how much value this will bring to their lives. So that's a second thing you can start paying attention to. Pay attention to when you are paying, you know, higher prices for the same thing like coffee or water or whatever. But also pay attention to, you know, sometimes this is also an interesting thing about human behavior, right? We can be really stingy about some things, you know, we can be really penny pinching about some things. Maybe you're buying groceries and you're you're really like counting the pennies, right? Trying to have that 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 grocery bill be as low as possible. But then, yeah, you walk past Starbucks and you get a $6 coffee, right? And then, and that's interesting, like, why is that happening, right? Why do you assign so much more value to the Starbucks coffee than to your groceries, which are arguably much more important for your quality <laughs> of life, right? So that's, that's another thing you can pay attention to. And those are our first two prescriptions, right? Pay attention to the things you abandon quickly and when you make that decision of this isn't worth it for me, but also pay attention to when you're just willing to pay more or willing to pay like unreasonable amounts of money. Because again, I think understanding our own behavior can really make us better marketers and it can give us more like empathy for what happens when people come to us and people come to our websites and we can kind of understand, yeah, they're they're like me, right? I So depending on how I do it, they can just leave. Or if I do it really well, I can convince them to spend unreasonable amounts of money <laughs> here. <laughs> Did we crack that code, though? The unreasonable <laughs> amounts of money. Still, still working on that one. <laughs> also, this podcast is brought to you by... Uh, <laughs> no, we don't have any sponsors. <laughs> so now, let's get into copywriting. How do you choose the words that you put on your page? Now, one of the things we're not going to do, and I want to say right away, is that we're not going to prescribe specific words to use this is like a this is a copywriting <laughs> this is a copywriting favorite like use these 17 power words <laughs> to increase your uh, conversions whatever no don't use the 17 power words okay this is this is exactly the wrong way to do it and, and there's a reason why we've built it up with you know talk to people get to know your audience and so on because different people use different words to, to describe things. You can't just say, you know, add this word to your headline and it's going to boost your conversion rate. That is, that is nonsense. So we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about some principles of how you can arrive at really good copy. And the first one I want to do is, you know, the, the simplest, like the oldest trick in the copywriting book is, is everybody always says, talk about benefits, not features, right? And, but how do you do that? Because generally when we, when we think about our product, we think in terms of features, right? We think that um, whatever, my product does this and has this and has this many of that and so on, right? And often like you, you develop extra features and you add extra features. Yes. And so that's how you think about it as a creator. And you assume that people know why that feature Mm -hmm. is important and also as a consumer we often think that we make buying decisions based on features even though we probably don't, don't right <laughs> we use features to justify our buying decisions but we don't make those decisions because of the features so so how do we go from features to benefits so this is one of my favorite copywriting exercises is this it's very simple create a list of features so that is things 
characteristics of your product, things that your product does. For things like, let's say, software products, this is pretty obvious, right? It's literally features. But even for something like an ebook or an information product, like an online course, you still have features there. So basically every chapter in your book would be like a feature. It has a chapter covering this, it has a chapter covering that and so on, right? And also something like if I have a, a digital product, an example of a feature would be it contains 20 video lessons and it has downloadable checklists and downloadable PDFs and so on. Those are all features. So you write down all of those features of your product and then you turn each of those features into a benefit. So for each feature you wrote down, you think about, first of all, why does this matter? Okay, why does it matter? So if I say my online course has 10 different lessons, why does it matter? You know, why, why is this better than one lesson? Why is it better than 20 lessons? Like <laughs> I like to add the phrase, this will allow you to mm -hmm. after one of the features. Because again, right. if you have 10 lessons, this will allow you to, or this will help you to, and that's how then you can get to the benefits. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask yourself, there's 10 video lessons in my online course, this will allow you to go through the course in 10 minute intervals which will make you go through it quicker mm -hmm. for example or and and thinking about this will allow you to or this will help you to will get you to those benefits and mm -hmm. to that why does it matter that this feature is in your product mm -hmm. and another another kind of exercise to get to benefits is to think about how does this make a difference in the the customer's life now, if you followed our suggestions up to this point, this is really easy because you've already talked to people who are your potential customers. And that means you can picture an actual person and you can think, how does this feature change that person's life, right? And, and like we talked about last time, we're not talking, it doesn't have to be profound life changing, right? It doesn't have to be like your life is never gonna be the same after this. It can just be, how does this make this person's life slightly more convenient, right? Yep. So in some cases, yeah, it's like like you say with the 10 video lessons, oh, it's more convenient, it's easy to navigate, right? You can you don't have to do the whole thing at once. You can easily find the spot where you, you know, pick up from where you left off. That's just convenience. But in some cases, the benefit is this will help you solve this massive problem in your life, right? This will help you resolve this, whatever, this emotional pain or this something. And so the, the benefits can be big or small, but in some way, anything that's useful in a product will in some way improve your customer's life. And I think that one of the hardest things is that as the one who created the product or, or who offers the service, you think it's obvious. Mm -hmm. Like for you, it's super obvious. And actually, your mind will almost fill in those blanks but you have to write it down on your landing page or on your sales page, or you, you have to force yourself to actually write it in words. As long as it's not written black on white, it's not there. Mm -hmm. And one of those examples is if, if you're an accountant, for example, and one of the things that you offer as a feature is, I will file your taxes for you. For you, it might seem super obvious why that is a real benefit to your clients. Mm -hmm. But they might be reading that and be like, yeah, okay, he'll file it for me. Mm -hmm. Where if you then explain 
how much time it will save them, how much that will actually, like they won't have to worry about being late anymore. They will never have overdue fees. Um, this, this will just like open up this whole mind, like free their mind from thinking about their taxes. As long as you don't write this down, you cannot assume that your audience will know that. And you, you cannot assume that they will see the real value behind this feature. Yeah, and, and this is actually also a good point about time saving. Because, again, that, that's one of the things where you might think, well, this is obvious, right? My thing is more convenient and save you some time. And maybe you think that's the benefit. It'll save you some time. But I'd also go further there. And let me give you an example from, uh, from one of our own products from Thrive Architect. The, the original, when we very first built this, one of the big reasons we built this was one of time saving. So if you think, okay, why a visual editor? Right? A visual editor is an alternative to the, the default backend editor in WordPress. And if you build some, if you want to build something like a sales page, that was our original use case, right? Build a sales page. Using the default WordPress editor, you can do it, but it will take a long time. Right? It's really complicated. It takes a long time. It's very unpleasant work. And so using a visual editor, you can get a better result and you can get it faster. Okay. Now... That sounds like I've already told you a benefit, but we can dig deeper because look for me as someone who was doing a lot of sales pages or selling different products, I noticed that this made such a big difference because first of all, the difference between spending, let's say 10 hours building a sales page or three hours building a sales page. First of all, I can right away ask myself, that's, that's seven hours saved. What is my time worth? Because we often tend to think, well, you know, does it matter? Do I really need to buy this $99 plugin mm -hmm. if it just takes a bit longer? But hold on. If I pay myself, you know, $15 an hour and I build one sales page, I've already basically made more than $99 back, right? But for me, there's a, a much more important knock-on effect, which is that I build sales pages and then I build variations of those sales pages to test. And so then I'm building a sales page, it takes seven hours. I'm making a variation of the sales page, it takes another like three or four hours, right? I run the test, there's a winner. I make another variation, another three or four hours, right? There, it really starts accumulating because if it takes longer, first of all, it will take longer before I start running the test. So that's lost potential revenue. But also, I'll just do it less, mm. right? Bottom line is, I will run fewer tests because of how annoying it is to build that variation, right? So, and then if you think about, you know, maybe I run a test that increases my revenue by like 10%. If I run this test at the beginning of the year, then I make 10% more for the rest of the year, right? Like how much money is that? So the difference between doing that or not doing that is huge. And this is one of those things that, yeah, for you as the product creator, that might, or for me, you know, as the, as the, as the person who created or is behind the creation of Thrive Architect, that's pretty obvious. Like I have a desperate need for this kind of thing. I've done it a hundred times. So for me, it's pretty obvious. But I can't assume that the person coming to our sales page realizes that, mm. right? And, and so, yeah, that's one of those things. I have to write that out. I have to be clear. Look, here's something you probably haven't thought about. You know, this is, this is why we built it like this. This is a benefit that you get from this. Yeah, I think it always pays to ask yourself, is this the real benefit or is this one of those superficial benefits where it's like saving time, saving money? Mm. Uh, what's the other one? Being healthier, cuter, mm. sexier. <laughs> yeah. um, 
which like still don't really hit the pain point. And I think that's where my example from the taxes comes into play also. Like, yeah, you will maybe save half an hour with like, if somebody else files your taxes, yeah, worth it, not worth it, depends on it. But like, for me, just having to think about the fact that I have to file this on this yeah. date. <laughs> and the idea that of, like, I, I dread this so much yeah. the stress, that it, the right? stress yeah. around it, it will just like, yeah, occupy my mind for so much longer than <laughs> yeah. that half an hour it takes to actually file this. And I will be afraid to do things wrong. Yeah. And I will like, I'll, I'll probably do things wrong, <laughs> which then I know will cost me a lot of money afterwards. And so it's not just like, oh, you will save time because I will file your taxes. Mm -hmm. It's everything behind mm -hmm. that fact. And this is the kind of stuff you get at when you talk to people. Yeah. Right? That's, that's another reason why that's so important. Like you hear people's stories of how much they're stressed out about something that maybe seems pretty simple to you. Okay. This brings us to what we call the three levels of appeal in copywriting. So in copywriting, very simply, this is how we categorize as a very rough categorization is this level one is no appeal so you can meh, have meh, <laughs> meh. yes so you can have my, my favorite example of this is subscribe to our newsletter right? <laughs> yes i want another <laughs> newsletter in my inbox said nobody ever <laughs> exactly. so that's that's an example of i mean that's an offer right you come to the, the box pops up and says subscribe to our newsletter that is an offer but it's just an unappealing offer. It, there's just nothing there that you want, right? Wait, wait, let's make it better. Subscribe to our free newsletter. Oh, oh, it's free. That makes <laughs> such a big difference. <laughs> so actually, funnily enough, if it's like subscribe to our newsletter, $10 a month, you're like, hold on. I, I probably must get something out exactly. of this. Exactly, you're like, hold on, this was a really good newsletter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's unappealing, right? There's just no appeal at all. And obviously, so an unappealing copy for an offer is where you get 0% conversions. There's just nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody buys. Ever, right? And then we have level two, which is a very wide range, is generic appeal. And what you mentioned before, right? Saves you time, saves you money, be healthier, be more attractive, all this kind of stuff. This is all appealing. We, we want these things, but it's, it's very generically appealing. And it also has like a believability problem, right? Sign up to my newsletter to be healthier, happier and wealthier. It's like, mm, really? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that I don't want those things. I just don't quite believe that signing up to your newsletter is going to deliver that result. right? Which brings you back to those power words, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that those power words are like the extreme example of this type of communication, which is just like fluff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like yeah okay probably it's something that i should want but i don't yeah you don't believe it you don't feel it you don't connect with those words anymore it's it's usually also words that nobody ever uses in conversation yeah. <laughs> but yeah that that's where you just read it and like oh yeah mm -hmm. and so generically appealing is the minimum that you have to reach because even though we're, we're talking shit about it right now, <laughs> like I said, it's a wide range and you can have something that's generically appealing. That's, you know, it's not going to get people super excited, but it's not going to be a 0% conversion rate either. Right. So, so even if it is, you know, sign up for my ebook to get six pack apps. Okay, fine. That's very generically appealing. There's nothing special about it, but, but Hey, you know, if I just read a blog post and it was good, and I want six pack abs, maybe I'm going to sign up, right? Yeah, exactly. If you already had maybe that relationship or mm -hmm. like people trust you already, and then you don't, 
need that much convincing anymore, then it might be enough. Mm-hmm. Same with, with a sales page, right? If, um, like we said, there's, there's a different range of, of prices. And probably if it's like a $9 ebook or a $49 product, it's, yeah, even if it's not like the best sales page ever, if people understand what they will get out of the product, that's that's probably enough. If you just can mm-hmm. like already be like, okay, features, benefits, then then you're already ahead of, of many people on a, a non-appealing sales page, right? And imagine that this is somebody who already read several blog posts, um, who already got value out of your, your free opt-in offer. Well, if at that point they arrive at a sales page where they are just like, oh yeah, yeah, this seems interesting to me and it's a fair price for, mm-hmm. for, for what's offered here, then you will get those conversions. Yeah. And so if you just do the exercise that we talked about before, the, the features, the benefits one, and you communicate those benefits, that will get you to, I mean, so depending on how you did, essentially, that will get you to, you know, pretty good generic appeal. And mm-hmm. and you can build a business on that. So don't, you know, this is also, again, like this is an anti-perfectionism message, right? Don't think that you have to have this level three, which we call emotionally appealing. but And this is where you like really hit the nail on the head, right? Where you really make people feel something with the words that, that you write. But you don't have to have that. In fact... You know, if you look, like for example, at Thrive Themes, I would say that probably less than 20% of the copy on Thrive Themes is emotionally appealing, right? Most of our copy is just pretty good on the, you know, on the, on the better end of the generically appealing spectrum. And it's also unrealistic, like you can't always hit the nail on the head, right? You can't always like, what do they say in the States? You can't bat... 100 for 100 or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can't win the ball is, is my point, right? It's like, it's unrealistic to expect that that every line of your copy and every headline you write is just going to hit the nail on the head like that. And rapid implementation, right? Yeah. It's better to have a good, generically appealing level two sales page out there than to work on a level three sales page not forever having anything ever, out there yeah. <laughs> forever exactly. and ever. Exactly. And then also, as a reminder, we talked about this before, and I'll, I'll talk about this a bit more about how to get there as well. But, you know, if you remember the example or the story of the clay pots, right, where they had two groups, one group had the goal of make the perfect clay pot, the other group had the goal of just make as many as possible. And the group that made as many as possible ended up making the better pot, right? So the, the way to get to really good copies is just write a lot of Mm -hmm. generically appealing copy and so the emotional appeal there is where you really manage to find something like i said that that makes people not just think in their heads oh yeah this is this is cool but really makes them feel something right really makes them go oh wow i want this right and like we've talked about in the previous episodes one of the keys to getting to this is to talk to people. And in fact, I think if you don't talk to people in your target audience, your chances of getting this level of appeal are very slim. So with our exercise of turning features into benefits, you can then start using these benefits to frame your offer. And a good way to practice this is to just practice writing headlines. So write headlines for your offer and just you know crank them out as many as you can. And this is the equivalent of creating lots and lots of clay pots. So the, the, your goal is to have, you know, you sit down for half an hour and your goal is to have 50 headlines, not three really good ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you just write headlines, 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 
And you try, and I mean, if you've done this exercise, you have a list of all these different benefits. So you, you have a lot of stuff to work off of, right? You can look at one of those benefits. How do I turn this into a headline that gets, gets people wanting my thing? And you just keep writing headlines. And so that's the next step, right? Write all these headlines. Then another thing that I think is very important to practice for better copywriting is you've got your file with all the headlines, leave it for a day, come back to it the next day and then read through the headlines and practice putting yourself in the mindset of someone who knows nothing about you, knows nothing about your business, knows nothing about your product. And like Hannah said before, has no emotional attachment. And two things to look out for is number one, is it actually clear what this is about, right? Is the offer actually clear? Now look in a headline, you don't have to fully explain your offer, right? But it still has to be clear enough. You can still have a headline where people go, well, what's this about? So is it clear to someone who doesn't know the background? Um, and the other thing is just, is it appealing? And like I said, this is practice, right? It's practice looking at something that you created as if you'd never seen it before. It's really difficult. I was just going to say, this is hard. Like, it doesn't sound hard. <laughs> yeah. But it is really, really hard. And it is... It's not something that just beginners do. It's something that it happens still mm -hmm. all the time where you write a landing page and somebody else comes to it. It's like, what? <laughs> is this a webinar or is this yeah. an ebook? And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not clear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like you said, it's it's super hard to get those new eyes and not have that curse of knowledge, not feeling in those blanks. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so worth training yourself to do this. And a good way to get better at this is, is to actually show your copy to other people mm. and get a reaction from someone else. Because even if it's ideally, it's, it is someone who doesn't have any um, connection to your business, but even if it's like your business partner or something, even just whoever didn't write it is going to have a much fresher perspective on it than you. So with the headlines, now there's two more things you can do and you can incorporate in your writing exercises to get to the higher end of generically appealing and to have a chance to get into that level three of emotionally appealing. The first one is make it more specific. So Again, you can either write new headlines or you can look at existing headlines and you can see how can I transform them by making them more specific. And one of the easiest ways to do this is to see how can I add numbers. So if we take our example from before, right, get six pack abs, how do I add numbers to that? Well, get six pack abs in 30 days is more specific. Um, get six pack abs in 37 days or 29 days <laughs> is more interesting. Right. There's something about odd numbers that makes yeah. them more believable. Yeah. Um, saying like, oh, this has been sold to 2,400 customers. Like, really? Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's, we already have 2,439. Uh -huh. It's like, oh yeah, that's probably real, a real number. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So odd numbers are, are, are better because in a way they're more specific, right? Mm. Yeah, like you said, the other number sounds like a ballpark. And, but <laughs> an odd number is, is very specific value. And so we can, we can think about how can we add specificity. Another way to add specificity is basically to do targeting. Uh, so to say the, the 30 days or the 29 day six pack ab program for men over 40. 
that makes it more specific as well. And over 41? <laughs> over, over 41? Ah, I made the mistake. <laughs> yes. So in this way, you can simply think about how can I make this more specific? How can I add numbers in there? Or how can I be more specific about who this is for? Or how can I be more specific about what I'm offering? So that's, that's a kind of a, a simple trick to get to more specificity. And in general, more specific is more appealing. You can also use the without. Mm -hmm. So how to get six packs apps without changing your diets yes. makes it more specific. So it can be either excluding something or including something. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing to do is think about how you can make your copy polarizing. So how can Ooh. you, <laughs> yeah, so, so you look at your headline and you, you look at how can I write this in such a way that it would piss someone off? Because that, that is what polarizing means. And the thing is being polarizing is like one of the simplest ways to reach emotional appeal. Mm -hmm. And you can see that, I mean, un unfortunately we see this mostly with uh, in kind of negative examples, right? We see it with, um, let's say, you know, whatever talk radio hosts or something who just like have the worst, you know, they're just characterizing the worst of the worst, right? They're, they're super on one side of the political spectrum, for example, right? And of course, the, in general, the people who are the furthest on a side of a spectrum tend to get garner the most attention because they garner attention from both sides, right? They have on their side, they have all the people, oh, yeah, this guy speaks the truth. <laughs> and on the other side, they get all the hate, right? And so they get a lot of coverage. So like I said, or, you know, on YouTube, we have this is another example where you constantly have these, you know, dramas of channels doing more and more extreme stuff. And more and more controversial stuff to get likes or to get views or whatever to go viral and the same with we see that of course in 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 media online in general like right? clickbait is just the worst stuff gets the most attention so obviously we don't advocate that you, <laughs> that you do that <laughs> but i'm pointing this out just to show you that this works and it kind of works like clockwork so with polarizing we mean basically like excluding yeah. people pushing away, like intentionally pushing away certain mm -hmm. people, because as long as you're not excluding people, you're not including people. Exactly. And that's where, okay, you can do this by, like you said, by this whole negative thing, but it can also be much more subtle where if, for example, you we take our fitness example again, and you say like, okay, how to get stronger without eating more animal proteins. Mm -hmm. So this is something some people will be like, oh, no, yeah, never, <laughs> not happening. Mm -hmm. And other people will be, yes, finally, somebody advocating this. Yes. Um, and it's not a negative thing. Like you don't have to be the one being like, oh, yeah, this political thing or this super horrible thing that I'm yeah, pro you, or against. Yeah, you don't, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be horrible about it. But also you can make use of existing polarities as well. So if we think about, let's say, an, a nutrition-related offer, instead of just saying, you know, get my ebook on how to eat healthier and feel better, it's very generically appealing, you can say why the paleo diet sucks and 25 tips to, you know, something. And there, because you simply know that in the space of people who are interested in nutrition, there's, there's a huge passionate following of the paleo diet but there's also a huge group of people who are just tired of hearing of all this paleo stuff and you can just tap into that 
again, without like being overly negative about it. But I, I would also say that when you do this as an exercise, when you keep writing your headlines, and so this would be the next stage in the exercise, how can I make this polarizing? Don't be afraid of, of going really polarizing because it is an exercise. And again, you know, make, make those 50 pots and one of them might turn out to be really, really good. And if, you're, if you hold yourself back from, from really writing stuff that pisses people off, then you might never arrive at that maybe more subtle but really good headline. Exactly. For, for yourself, these headlines, you don't even have to show them to anybody, right? Make it a game. Make it a game <laughs> of like being really mean or being really... <laughs> and, and like you said, then you can dial it down a little for the real headline. But you might hit on a real pain point or, or a real feeling that people have. Having said that, you should share it with us. <laughs> I want you to send in your most specific, most extremely polarizing headline that you came up with. And the one that we find the most hair-raisingly polarizing, but still, you know, still good, right? Still covers, still benefits, still specific. We'll get a $100 Amazon gift card, okay? <laughs> You can go to the show notes of this episode, submit your shockingly specific <laughs> polarizing headline for this contest. Now, if you listen to this episode like a while after we publish this, the contest might be finished, but go there. It might just be fun to read. We don't even know if we'll get some headlines, but yeah. we hope that we'll get some fun <laughs> headlines and that you still submit your own headlines there. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely also publish anonymously <laughs> <laughs> the best ones so that you can get some inspiration and or outrage. Now, we've been talking a lot about this emotional appeal and, and how hard it is to actually get to that emotional appeal. And one of the hacks that you can use to get there. So we already said like, okay, interview people and, and, and talk to people. This will help. But testimonials. Testimonials are... And I love it. Like people pour out their heart in a good yeah. testimonial and they write stuff that I could never have invented. One of the examples that I love about testimonials is somebody was saying in, uh, in one of the Thrive Team's testimonials how WordPress was the devil's uh, <laughs> gift or something. What was it exactly? It yeah, it should be. So... The exact testimonial was, I was beginning to think WordPress was God's cruel joke to humanity or the work of the devil. And then I found you guys, angel music. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I could not have written this. That's really good copy, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a really good copy. And there's more like this that we'll get in the testimonials because we ask people, how did you feel before using our products? And then they actually tell us very specific things. Like, how did you feel before is a really good question with the testimonials. And how do you feel now? Mm -hmm. Because then people are saying, oh, now I feel really proud about my website. I feel empowered that I can build this myself. And, and you can already feel when you say these words that it's more powerful than get a nice looking website. It's just words that you would probably not use yourself. And the moment you read it, it hits home. Yeah, an example here as well is one of the testimonials includes the phrase, I'm not very techy. So it's nice to use Thrive Themes and feel confident that everything is just how I want it. So first of all, there's a very interesting, just emotional benefit there. Feel confident 
that everything is just how I want it. This is not how I would talk about our products. You know, I wouldn't think like that. But also, just the term, I'm not very techy. This is, again, I wouldn't write that. But if we get people you know, describing themselves like that, and in fact, the phrase like, I'm not very techy, or just the word techy, has been you know, something we've encountered often. And that's an example of where you can simply borrow the language that your customers use and use it in your copy. One last example of this was somebody saying like, oh, many other product developers, they like they start out with a lot of enthusiasm and promises, but usually the services slow to a trickle and then just stop. Now, if we use this on a sales page where we emphasize the fact that we keep putting out features and keep improving our products, we would probably say like, we keep improving our products exactly. and we keep adding features. <laughs> now, if we change this by usually services slow down to a trickle, but we keep on going and never stop. And it already feels so much better. Sounds better, yeah. It sounds better. We, we, sh we should do this more often. This. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is actually something that I try to do very consciously. I have a document. It's called Customer Words Copy Inspiration. And so I take this from comments that we get on our website, from testimonials that we get. As soon as I read something, then I'm like, wow, good copy right here. <laughs> I, I save it in this document. And then when you start writing a sales page, when you start writing a landing page, going through this document and, and getting some inspiration for this, it's, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have testimonials yet for this program, this sales page. I haven't started selling it yet, this product. So how do I get the real words of my customers? Now, another hack that I've used before is Amazon. This might sound strange but amazon reviews are actually really nice because some people write a lot yeah. of copy on amazon reviews and so I, I i jokingly say that they are like wannabe writers who never got to write their own book and so now <laughs> yeah. they are just like writing these reviews but still it is it is really nice because so I was writing something about creativity and what I did was I went to Amazon, looked for a book about creativity and went through the, the reviews that that book had. And again, some people were like writing super specific things about how that feeling of creativity of now being able of being the creative one in the workspace rather than the one who never has new ideas empowered them. But they used like much more powerful words than that that I could not have come up with. Yeah, some people tell their stories in a review and, and those are the ones that are really interesting. Uh, those are the ones that where you can also borrow that. And the other thing is, so there's basically two things you can use testimonials for in this context. One, you just put the testimonial on your landing page or sales page, right? That's like the classic use, let's say, which is great, it makes a, can make a big difference, right? But yeah, the other one is that you really just mine testimonials for these phrases and words and feelings that come out and use that in your copy. And we have some material on this as well that we'll link to. So obviously we have, we have a plugin, Thrive Ovation, that we use to kind of automate getting testimonials. And we also have a course on, on how, how to, to get that. those testimonials <laughs> exactly. and which questions you should ask to get those exactly. very in-depth testimonials. So if you're not familiar with that yet, that's also going to be in the show notes, um, all about Thrive Ovation and the related course. So 
let's make a quick recap here. We said that there were three levels of appeal. So no appealing, you don't want to be there because you will make no sales, no conversions. And if you're listening to this podcast, you should not be in that situation anymore. Do the exercises that we gave you to get to that second level, which is generically appealing. And then start with something, improve upon it. Make one more, one more, one more. Write those 50 headlines, make them more specific, make them more polarizing, and you will get to the upper level of that generic appeal. And then let's go one level further. Let's try to get to that emotional appeal with going through testimonials, really using customer language, using those reviews or whatever, where you can find what your audience is is saying and try to incorporate that on your copy. And that wraps up our episode. Activegrowth.com forward slash 17 takes you to the show notes. You can leave a comment there. We've got links to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, SoundCloud. And I was serious about this, even though it was a spur of the moment thing. I was serious about this contest I announced. Send us, you know, do the exercise, write some shockingly polarizing headlines and send them in. And we will have a form there that you can use to submit uh, your headlines. So that's also at activegrowth.com forward slash 17. We'll have a form there specifically for your shocking headlines. Send them in there. And just the one thing to know, we, we, will, we will publish them in some form, right? Or some of them at least, but anonymously. So we won't, you know, you can, don't worry about like censoring yourself, holding yourself back. We won't tell anyone whose headline it was, but you can win. You can win an Amazon gift card. So go ahead and do that. That and all the show notes and links, many links actually to all the stuff we mentioned are at activegrowth.com forward slash 17. Also, quick reminder, if you have any questions that you'd like me or Hannah or both of us to answer, send them on Twitter at ActiGrow, A-C-T-I-G-R-O-W. On Twitter, at ActiGrow, just send in your questions. Anything, basically anything you want to ask us. Let's. I don't want to set any parameters on this. Just anything you want to ask us, send us on Twitter, and I, I'd really love to get some questions together. And that's it. That's my final call to action. Go do those things. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much for being part of our audience and communicating with us, giving us feedback. It means a lot. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you in the next one.